Good morning and welcome to The Morning Fix. I'm Julie Dye and I'm here with my co-host, Amy Shepard. Good morning. The Morning Fix is a podcast series brought to you by 510K Cafe. We meet with medical technology leaders to discuss trends, innovations, and the future of marketing and communications in the medtech industry. Today, we are really looking forward to our discussion with Dr. Sean Paul, who specializes in eyelid and facial cosmetic and reconstructive surgery. Dr. Paul is board certified and has presented numerous scientific articles, and he trains clinicians across the country on advanced minimally invasive techniques. He's also the co-founder, along with Dr. Paul Nassif of Idea Austin. Idea Austin is a virtual event that highlighted innovations in the aesthetic space, and it supported the Central Texas Food Bank. We're really excited to hear more about Dr. Paul's background and his work in the community. So welcome, Dr. Paul. Thank you for having me. Yes, welcome, Dr. Paul. Talk about your training and your background to start off. What drew you to oculofacial plastic surgery? Thank you both for having me on this awesome platform to talk about, you know, a variety of things. And, you know, my, my background is is quite unique. I, I'm a I'm a Texas kiddo, born and raised in South Texas, and uh Went to undergraduate school at the McCombs Honors Program for Business, and so I had a unique insight into case-based learning in addition to my pre-medical studies. And so I combined that background and and went to medical school at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio. I was very fortunate there to work at the Veterans Hospital, work on vision rehabilitation, and I was particularly lucky to work at the active military hospital there formerly Brook Army Medical Center, and work with burn patients who were um, who had injuries from IEDs during Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom, and worked on burns around eyelids and got to have a unique interest into eyelids as the vision rehabilitation from a outside the eye standpoint, you know, was, was something very important for those soldiers who had gotten hurt. So that was my first sort of entry point into reconstruction surgery on the eyelids, which obviously, you know, you go into medical school, you're not thinking, hey, I want to be an eyelid surgeon, but it was very, very unique and very satisfying. So that was my first exposure to oculoplastic surgery. I furthered my training by doing rotations at hospitals across the country in San Francisco and Miami and, and ended up in, in Oklahoma City at the D. McGee Eye Institute, which is a very highly rated ophthalmology residency program. And, you know, we're a very high volume institution and focused on intraocular surgery, eyelid surgery, orbital surgery, cosmetic surgery, and just really kind of follow that passion. I, I matched to a two-year eyelid facial cosmetic and reconstructive fellowship at the Medical College of Wisconsin under the direction of the esteemed Dr. Jerry Harris, who was the editor of the Ophthalmic Plastic and Reconstructive Journal, Reconstructive Surgery Journal, as well as president of our Oculoplastic Society and spent two years really just taking, you know, call almost every other day, taking care of trauma, reconstruction, and really kind of honing my skills to be a super specialist, as, as they call it. During that training, I got exposed to, you know, in the, in the operating room procedures, procedures in the office, again, staying true to that reconstructive nature, but also got exposed to aesthetics in the dermatology, general plastic surgery, and facial aesthetic surgery world. And, you know, continue to go to conferences and, and work with colleagues across the country and the world. Very lucky to have speaking engagements on some of my research in Italy and Australia and other places. And then 
decided to get out of the cold, move back home to Austin, Texas, and set up my practice here about six years ago. And, you know, I, I think ophthalmology and the eyes are such a important organ in the body. And, you know, if, if you know someone or um, have a friend that has had a vision issue and you can help them, you know, it just really was satisfying from that standpoint. And then, you know, my mother happened to be an esthetician, so she had that sort of aesthetic eye to that I guess was genetically passed down to me to, to not only functionally make things better, but also aesthetically make things look better. And so combined those two interests and really wanted to create a, a boutique feel as well as focus on my interest in research and innovation as well as entrepreneurship. And so set up my own practice and the rest is kind of history. And so it's just been a, it's been quite a ride for the last six years developing a solo practice with one location now, you know, 15 locations around the central Texas area and still growing a team, you know, helping oversee the practice and, and focusing on, on, on the unique specialty that, that I chose. Dr. Paul, that's really great, you know, background and a summary of all the, you know, amazing training and, and work that you've done to date. And one of the things that strikes me is that, you know, you have both the medical training and then you also have the business degree. Hookum, by the way, <laughs> I'm also a UT grad. But I'm wondering how you think that that, you know, business experience that you got early on helped you in building your practice, you know, to 15 locations. And, you know, are there any important marketing lessons that you've learned through the years? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, one thing that set me apart when it came to, you know, the the 1% of people who go out of training and start their own practice. I mean, majority of physicians come out with zero business knowledge don't know how to look over a profit loss statement or understand how to set a marketing budget, understand the importance of differentiating advertising dollars versus marketing dollars, understanding that there's only so much you can do to build a practice if you're only just doing physician-to-physician referrals. Also understanding, you know, direct-to-consumer marketing and the importance of being able to parlay your expertise into a video platform, social media platform, and then using social channels to build a brand. And so, you know, I was really lucky in three facets. Number one, I, I worked with Dell when I was in undergraduate school as my internship, as I was graduating from the honors business program and worked in strategic management, helping their returns laptop part operation. So I think number one, you have to give a good basis in the operation of a practice or a, or a system. So I literally would be walking the factory floor, understanding where the inefficiencies were in the system, I took that interest into medical school where I oversaw with the chair of ophthalmology how to improve efficiency in the in the ophthalmology clinic and figuring out where the bottlenecks were. And then as I moved forward, you know, I was one of the first students back in 2005 on Facebook. I was one of the first like a thousand thousand accounts. So I kind of had that interest in social media and understood that it was the first way you could kind of give people direct insight into what you're thinking or what you're story was about and then connecting with patients and other physicians on the story. So I think it's it's important to understand that, you know, I think management operations is important. And then marketing is not just advertising, which I think there's a big disconnect there with a lot of people who run any business. And, you know, obviously in the, in the physician space, there's ethics and HIPAA and compliance and things like that you have to follow. It doesn't mean you can't make your marketing fun, entertaining, entertaining and educating. And so I just keep those tenants as I move forward, as we've built our Facebook and Instagram accounts, as well as our TikTok accounts. And, you know, 
you know, we get 250,000 views on a TikTok post I post, you know, last week on education for new technology, you know, for, for jawline contouring, for example. And I think the marketing is, is just a, it's a simplification of a more complex structure. And that's why we have people like you who are experts in those fields to guide people along. So, you know, I think other physicians have invited me to speak or talk to them or look at their practices as well to help them understand how to do that. And you have to understand the branding component as well is really important, particularly when you're going from one doctor to a practice to technology, there's different, there's different ways to market that. So I guess some of it's innate, you kind of have it or you don't. Um, some of it's learned and understanding you have to keep up with the technology, but also building the right support team from your website SEO team to your paid ads team to your social media team. And it's not just, you know, patients checking in and checking out and you do a treatment. It's about delivering an expectation for what you're going to get, patient experience story to share with them. And, and that takes time to, to show if you're doing video content. And finally, how do you relate that to your brand? And so not the, you know, an average doctor doesn't think along those lines. So I think this helps separate our practice and what we've done uh, in the community and as well as nationally. I'm so impressed. You know, a lot of times when we speak with physicians, you know, they do not have such an amazing grasp on marketing and, you know, the various channels and the many channels that it takes, you know, to do it well, right? It's not just about, you know, putting a social ad up on Facebook, but you really need to think about your marketing holistically. So we really appreciate that insight that you provide. One of the things that we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast when we're talking to clinicians is about referral marketing. And I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what your practice does in terms of reaching out to other clinicians in the community, you know, to make sure that your referral base is always thinking about you. That's a great question. I think, you know, to clarify the question again, it's, it's how do you, number one, obtain the referrals, number two, maintain the relationship with the referral doctors and community. And so I think you just kind of have to know the product you're selling or the product you're offering. And we have two clear divides in our practice. Our first main product is eyelid reconstructive surgery, trauma surgery, cancer surgery, functional surgery. So you have people who have insurance who are sending, who are coming to you for a service to help them with the medical problem. And the second part of our I guess service offering would be aesthetic services. So you have an area you want to improve the appearance of, um, and you want to make it have an improvements in, in how that looks. So we kind of have two different areas. I think from an insurance standpoint, uh, we're we're on a majority of the insurance panels. We take the insurance, and patients are able to be referred to us by their referring doctor, whether it's their primary care doctor or or their own insurance plans. And then the second aspect is, you know, basically you're just like you would sell any product, you know, you have a, a list of services, you put them on your website, you talk about them on your YouTube page and on your, on your website, and you can go two routes with that. You can, you know, organically write your content, do your video, try to optimize it, work with the SEO company to, to do that. That takes time because obviously Austin market is, you know, has other providers that do similar services, or you can go a, a paid ad route to do that. So we just take pride in, in keeping it very twofold. We, we do, you know, we'll talk to physicians directly. We'll go to their offices. We'll talk about our services. We have 
very clear referral pads that they can you know click on our website and, and forms and they can fill out and send us to send us patients exactly you know what what needs to happen to their patients we give talks i was president of the austin ophthalmology society my associate who joined me two years ago will be president next year so we take leadership roles locally uh, we've spoken at conferences both locally and nationally we're very involved i'm, I'm the director for for eye trauma at a couple level two trauma centers in, in the area as well, which helps uh, let people know that, uh, you know, in, inside the hospital, what we do. And then from a cosmetic side, you know, word of mouth has been huge. Obviously when you're first starting your practice, you know, you hope to get patients come in and then maybe they want to do some cosmetic treatments, which is great because you enjoy doing it, but also it does change the re revenue stream into your practice, uh, but you have to differentiate yourself. So. Initially, you start with your patients who are coming in the door and you build their trust and you build the word of mouth. And I think word of mouth is the strongest long term. But, you know, then COVID hit and, you know, you don't get the same volume of patients coming through the clinic. You can't go talk to providers in person. I know everybody's kind of over the whole virtual conference thing and they're tired of Zoom meetings. And so, you know, then we had to re-strategize a bit on our web presence as well as our ad strategy to get new patients in. And I think you just have to be able, you have to be able to, to pivot very quickly, look at different strategies that work for you, and then don't just work with the first company that gives you a bid, but just talk, get, get references from them as well. Because what I found is you don't have like the perfect all-in-one company to work with for everything. So I kind of have specialists for each area I partner with. So certainly I could just create a Instagram post and push and boost the post and hope to get something, but that could be 500 bucks you're throwing away. You know, so why not work with someone who's an expert, pay them an appropriate fee, and then they can actually help strategize with you. And, you know, if after three months you're not seeing anything at all, then I understand. But also understand that, you know, is this is the is the strategy to brand yourself? Is it actually to see a direct return on an advertisement or is it part of your branding? And I think that there's no perfect answer. You have to kind of, I call it cast the net wide, see which fish bite, and then just kind of go all in on, on the ones that make the most sense for your practice, because you still have to make sure your day-to-day -day operations is taken care of. You don't want to pull fund or budget from operations to support marketing, but they do go hand in hand. Because if you don't have patients coming in or you don't have people buying your product, then you can't necessarily run the operation. So it's a delicate balance. It's fun for me. I enjoy it. I mean, definitely you have to, you have to have the wherewithal to, to deal with these, you know, tough questions you get from uh, patients and staff and everyone else on, you know, how you're doing it. But I think you just, you just learn and you, and you make mistakes and you grow and you stay humble and you just kind of keep working at it. Those are great insights, Dr. Paul. You're certainly a natural marketer. And as Julie mentioned, that's special. Not, not everyone is. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why we developed this channel, shared best practices. And I wanted to go back to marketing and how it has affected your practice. I know you have a large presence on Instagram and TikTok, and I'm curious to learn how that has helped your educational and promotional presence as opposed to the way that you used to market in the past before these these channels were were truly relevant. Well, we know well, you know, I think one mis one misconception is that social media is, you know, the only way that a lot of people are getting your information and I think we all have to remember the number one way people are finding a service or a product is, is still Google. So a lot of our focus still is on web search. But what happens is, and I'm sure you both are guilty of it, you know, you, you go find a doctor or someone online that you think you want to see, and then you flip over to your Facebook or your Instagram page, you happen to search them, 
And so a lot of that's what I call soft marketing, where it's patient experience. It's them even seeing you do normal things, whether it's, oh, I'm going to the hospital today, or I was in the operating room doing a great case, or my staff member had their fourth year anniversary in my office. And like, it's those things as well that kind of support one another. And it's interesting because, you know, when, when COVID hit, you had to be very empathetic to everyone who was going through a rough time and then delicately still try to grow your practice because not only do as a practice have to survive, but you, you know, I feel a personal responsibility for my staff who, you know, have, this is how they make a living and how, that's how they take care of their families. And so we did pivot a bit to strengthen our online presence during that time. We built out a new website at austinfaceandbody.com, which totally rebranded our, our page, which happened to kind of coincide with, with COVID first shutdown back in end of March and April. So that was number one. And then number two, we did look at different ways to strategize on other social platforms to increase our, our reach. And you never know who's looking at things. You don't know how the algorithms work. There's no perfect company that's going to teach you all these things. But certainly, uh, the more information you have out there about yourself, whether it's on any of these platforms, you know, people are going to learn about you. And that's the beauty of this day and age, whenever you can start a business in, you know, South Dakota and someone will fly to see you in in that area if they love you and they live in Florida. You know, and, and that, that's the interesting part about the way social media marketing works. And definitely, you know, if you if you have a target demographic that's an older demographic that's not looking at Instagram or TikTok and they're just on Facebook and you know that, you know, if you're selling memberships to a club that would be like a, a 60, 60 plus and over club, then certainly Facebook's the right way to go. And if you're selling, you know, college prep tutoring courses, you may want to go toward TikTok. And so, you know, we, we were very granular on the data we receive back with our partners on how we strategize what content goes where. For example, surgical content's better through certain platforms versus minimally invasive technology through other platforms. And so we have to be very particular about how we market. And also there's community guidelines with each of those platforms as well. And most physicians don't do the deep dive, but you know, I, I do, and I enjoy it because by the end of the day, it's, it's money well spent and it's your responsibility to be educated consumer as a business owner and where you're going to spend your, your dollars and also how you continue to, to have the practice grow. You've given us some really great insight into your practice's own outbound marketing. And so I'd be curious to hear about marketing that comes to you. And, you know, in your experience, has there been a great medical device company or industry, you know, company that has done a really great job at marketing to you? And I ask the question because, you know, many of our listeners are marketers in the medical device field and, you know, direct to physician, direct to clinician, marketing initiatives are a really important part of what we do. And so we always like to hear, you know, who's doing it well? Um, and can you give us any examples? Yeah, I think there's, you know, a company that I started working with a couple of years ago was named InMode. And InMode had to go through their own branding rebuild as they changed the name of their company. And what they really did is they, they started to work with physicians directly who had purchased their devices, had them start to post on social media about the treatments and about you know, media influencers and patients who are getting the treatments and they really built a nice brand from a social media standpoint. I do like how, you know, if I click on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook, they're kind of doing what I'm doing, which is sort of reaching all the different, the markets that potentially could be 
a consumer from a patient standpoint, a buyer from a physician or practice standpoint, or even a person looking to join a medical device company, right? Because you want to make sure you're marketing well. If you're, an, if you're an employee looking to join a device company, let's say you're in sales for Zimmer, like you said, like you mentioned you work with, and, and you're trying to go to the aesthetic space, you want to know how they're marketing because you want to believe in a company that's going to help promote you. And so you, you have that sense of pride. And they've also done a good job of that team building standpoint and really focusing on uh, making sure there's pride within the company and saying about how proud they are to work for that company. I think those things make a difference. And obviously, just like with any company, you put yourself out there, you're going to get the detractors as well. And I think that's something, you know, we all deal with in the social media world. And so you have to have a thick skin and keep focusing on, you know, your end goal, which is number one, you want to build value for your for your business, you want to build value for your employees, you want to invest in them, and then make sure that your clients are, are feeling they have good resources to turn back to. So I think they've done a really nice job. That's great. Dr. Paul, switching gears, I wanted to talk about your work with Idea Austin and the work that you did with Dr. Nassif from the EMU show Botched, which is really fascinating. I love the idea of Austin giving back, the Austin giving back component of the series and how it benefited the Central Texas Food Bank. I'm curious how you came up with the idea and will you have another event? So Idea Austin was kind of my brainchild I had as I moved back to Austin, as we have so many amazing social reasons to come to Austin, you know, such as South by Southwest and Austin City Limits and Formula One. And so um, what I started to do about 18 months ago was formulate a plan to have an event that coincided with South by Southwest as an unofficial event. And the idea spelled out to innovation, design, entrepreneurship, and aesthetics. Obviously, some of the discussion I'm having today was helpful but really focus on medical technology as well as other brands as well. Uh, we worked with Ferrari of Austin to talk about their design component to how they built cars and how they would they designed their sales strategy as well. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of crossover that's fantastic, and bringing bringing uh, people interested both in medical aesthetics, device, and innovation together to talk in a very casual Austin environment. Now we had the rug pulled up from underneath us like the rest of the world when COVID hit and we had to pull our event basically seven days prior, which was really unfortunate. And we had 1300 attendees ready to come in and you know, it was, a, it was supposed to be an awesome event. So we pivoted and we went to a virtual event, which was hosted in August. And during that time, you know, there was definitely a, a food insecurity that come into town as people had started to lose jobs and you know there were shortages at the grocery stores this is a scary time for a lot of us so we took our event online we were able to raise money and and give back to the community and we're currently actually planning a replay of that event as well so that'll be the same content but we're adding in some new speakers as well and that'll be coming out in the next month and then we you know one thing that we did from a loyalty standpoint is we had sponsors for that event we basically are going to roll over their sponsorship into the live event whenever that can happen. We'd hope to do it during during South by Southwest, I mean South by Southwest, but they're going to be virtual again. So we're hoping to do it during Formula One next fall. And idea 2021 will hopefully be something we can enjoy in person again. So, you know, I think there's 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 rarely a platform in the medical space where we have a device companies come together with marketing companies and physicians who are actually own their own practices and build their own practices come together and, and have a day of casual interaction together, plus with the with the fun and hype of being at a, at a fun event that makes Austin Austin. 
So, you know, I've been asked by multiple friends, physicians, if, of Sean, you, you know, you've got to do this at some point of some sort. And of course, you know, it was great. And, and Dr. Nassif's a dear friend and, you know, his support was greatly appreciated as well. And it definitely helped bring in some more of the media attention and other things as well. And we both just really wanted to make sure that, you know, because even though it wasn't live that we were able to give back to the Austin community because we both care about the community so much. Well, I love what it's all about and would love to, once the event comes up again next year in the fall or around Formula One, would love to speak with you again about it and follow up and would love for you to share some some of the feedback that you learned from the 2.0 version. Absolutely. I mean, we actually had a couple of interested podcast looking at doing free, uh, you know, like kind of a live podcast during the event and maybe talking, interviewing the doctors and the companies involved. And I think that, you know, we'd love to have, have you guys as a part of it to, to kind of just see what we're trying to create. And, you know, people ask me, well, what's your end game? What do you want to do with this? And, you know, I think you start by just kind of, you know, my expectations were extremely low. I was, Hey, if we get 20 people, that's great. You know, 1300 was above and beyond. We end up having 691 on the online version, and we know how hard it is to get a good quality attendance at a at a Zoom meeting, something like that. So we were we were we were very pleased. And then also, I have another business outside my my practice where uh, called Independent Practice Partners, and we help doctors create their own practices. And let's say you you know you're employed by someone else, you wanted to start your own thing, but you didn't know how to do it me and four other partners have gone and, and helped so far five doctors start their own practices independently. And so I think it's important to share the stories of you can actually do it and, you know, you want to be inspired and sometimes you feel like you're in a rut and you don't know what to do. And so, you know, bringing like-minded people together in a very relaxed environment where you can chat and, you know, that's, that's the best part about conferences. It's not the formal lectures, it's the communications the connections you make outside of that, you know, formal talk time and, sharing those experiences that we have about helping other people do what we've done has been is something we look forward to doing in person again. Well, Dr. Paul, that's great. Helping other doctors get up and running with their own practices through a concept like independent practice partners is a fantastic business idea and so beneficial to the community. And so is Idea Austin. What a great way to bring people together to share messages of medical advancement. And we definitely look forward to being part of Idea Austin 2021 in the fall Thank you for including us. We will plan to be there. Well, I think our time is just about up. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for your thoughts. It's been an honor to speak with you today. You're very much part of the medical innovation spirit of Austin, as well as the giving back spirit. Both make our community so much stronger. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Be on the lookout for more MedTech Leaders on the Morning Fix by 510K Cafe. Stay well, everyone.